Hello, everybody, and welcome to Smith Cyclopedia, the only podcast that I'm aware of that really talks about the Smiths in encyclopedic fashion. Um, I'm your host, Casimir Hurd, and today I have with me a guest. Oh, um, I'm Elena, and I'm a fellow Smiths fan. Yeah, we, we kind <laughs> of just, uh, we wanted to record this episode as uh, an introduction to the Smiths. This is one of the first episodes, so like, you know, we want to give like a little bit of a background. What we really want to talk about today, I guess, is like, the mythos and the story behind the Smiths. It's one of the most fascinating stories in like all music history, especially like uh, within the past 40, 50 years. It's certainly one that I think has ruined a lot of young, uh, a lot, a lot of young musicians uh, ideas of what it's like to form a band. Um, I definitely remember spending so much of my time uh thinking like we'll find out more like we'll find out uh about how Morrissey thought uh when I was younger that you know if only some uh some short kid in a uh in a beehive hairdo would come and save me from my my wallowing in my room All right, so Elena, let, let's first talk. Like, how do you and I know each other? What What are our credentials as Smiths fans? I guess. Okay. Um. So, should I go over how we met first? Yeah. Or? Sure. Okay. Um. So we met like twice, basically. Um. Once I saw him wearing a Smiths shirt. I think I was yeah. Um. A Me Is Murder Smiths shirt, and I complimented it because I was like, wow. I mean, you don't see that every day. Um, so got talking a little bit and then um, met for a second time at the Johnny Marr concert, the Johnny Marr and the Killers concert. Uh, we were waiting after um, seeing if he would come out and maybe sign some autographs. That, that's actually such a fun story on my end. I, I can't remember if like I told you everything leading up to that, but like. So we met once at like that farmer's market and honestly, like I was feeling like pretty, pretty isolated and a little, just a little miserable that day. And like, it was like, ah, man. And then like you comment, uh, you complimented my Smith shirt. I had to take my headphones off, ask like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Um, and it was like, oh, cool. You know, there exists another Smith's fan here. Um, and then later on at that Johnny Marshall well, the killers were headlining, but like at we the Johnny Marr show. Yeah. Uh, I had driven up with some friends and I was like, you know what? No, if there's a chance that I can meet like Johnny Marr and then like, I also like, I have this video of Brandon Flowers of the killers on my phone. And I was like, if I can meet Brandon Flowers, oh, that would be sick. Um, and so I told all my friends to like to go and to leave and then like uh coming back to like see if I could uh like meet Johnny after the show. Uh you were there and I was like, "Wait, hold on. We know each other." Um and then yeah, you uh I was lucky enough to hitch a ride from you. <laughs> yeah. Um but that's pretty much like how we know each other. Let's talk about like what your connection is to the Smiths. Maybe like, you know, where, where did you find out about the Smiths? What was like the song that really hooked you or whatever? All right. Um, so yeah, I want to say about three years ago, um, my friend, my really good friend, um, shout out to Olivia. <laughs> she might be watching this while listening. Um, she introduced me to the Smiths. And the first song I really um, got into was Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. Yo, no way. That That's that's like my thing as well. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the best. Um, and yeah, kind of just my obsession like snowballed from there. Um, 
the Smiths were like the band who like really got me into like post-punk and new wave and eventually like goth music, which is kind of, I mean, it made sense. Not that they're goth by any means, but, um, yeah, uh, I owe my friend and the Smiths, um, I owe them my, not to get sappy, but like I owe them my life. I, yeah, I, (laughs) I love the Smiths. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like, I feel like everybody listening that it's probably a very similar, uh, very similar feeling. Like I owe this band so much because I mean, they are a band where you kind of can owe them so much. They're so influential and important. And like, even the smallest lyrics just have the biggest impact. Anyways, I'm I'm gushing now. We haven't (laughs) even started. All right. Um, (laughs) so, um, what about like currently? What what are your favorite what are your favorite Smith songs? Ooh, okay. Um that's a good question. I think um a lot of the time it depends on like where I'm at in my life. Um my but um I mean, I think Rill Around the Fountain and Well I Wonder, they've like always been two of my favorites. I really like um Oh, I love Money Changes Everything. Instrumentals, just incredible. Ooh, this is a really good question. I could go on. Um, Oh, I love um, Wonderful Woman. That is a great, great song. That is... Wonderful Woman is an interesting pick as well, because, like, it's never on anything. Like, you have to scour for Wonderful Woman. True, yeah. I, I think that kind of I mean adds to how like special it is I don't know that sounds strange but (laughs) no I get it all right well um speaking about going and you know tripping dwarves or whatever let's uh let's talk a little bit about our uh our heroes today the smiths how they formed who they are and what kind of legacy they left for the rest of us all right um so We'll start with Johnny Marr because he's my favorite member. <laughs> um, uh, Johnny Marr was born um, Johnny Marr um, M A H E R um, as opposed to M A R R, October thirty first, nineteen sixty three. Which um, that's the same date um, his uh, wife Angie Marr was born. So that's a fun fact in Ardwick. Manchester. Um, he played in several Manchester-based rock bands, including Sister Ray, Freaky Part, White Dice, and Paris Valentinos. Which I think is like actually a wildly good band name. Like the Paris Valentinos, it just sounds it sounds so good. Yeah, that that one really stuck stood out to me. Just rolls off the tongue nicely too. Yeah. I remember watching this uh, documentary in preparation for this episode and they interviewed like one of his old band members who now works as like a banker or something. So it's like his name. And then it says like banker slash ex Paris Valentinos. And I'm like, which one of those two sounds cooler? (laughs) Like um, it it, it just, again, Johnny Marr. So cool. Um, Like everybody saw that this kid was just, like, cool. He was heading places. Uh, Initially, like, kind of a shy kid. Um, But everybody just thought he was so cool. And so he was just like, I guess I am cool. And he started playing up to the part, started, like, Cooling out big style. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where, Where is that from? Cooling up big style. That, um... Oh, it's one of my favorite interviews. Um, I, I'll, I'll I'll pull it up. I like to do gigs, make records, write songs, um, meet musicians, and listen to records. And um, aside from that, I just like to cool out, big style. But yeah, so started bringing his guitar to school. Started just playing everywhere. Started playing in bands. Started working in like fashionable clothes retailers. Everybody knew this guy. Which kind of brings us to uh, to our next guy. Uh, y- you could say he's probably the next most important Smith, seeing as he's the one singing. Um, 
It's Mike Joyce, of course. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Uh, Stephen Patrick Morrissey, um, born what, May 22nd? Second, yes. Yeah. Um, 59? Um, yes, that sounds about right. Um, in Davy, Davy Holm, uh, Manchester. Yeah. Yeah, um, he signed with the Nosebleeds and Slaughter and the Dogs. Interesting name. Yeah. It's kind of ironic. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, like, to, if we're talking about, like, the mythos of the Smiths, I feel like we can say, and those are the only notable things that happened in his life up until then. <laughs> of course, that's not entirely true, but that's the tale that he likes to spin, is that he essentially was just uh, this kid that was awkward, was really into uh, like the New York Dolls and the Ramones and Elvis and just wrote furiously all the time, wanted everybody to notice him. And until the time that he was 24, felt like nobody ever really did. Kind of the opposite of Johnny. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that, I mean... We can all agree that that might have been a contributing factor into the tensions, just like the clash in personalities. Um, definitely. Yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah. So let, let, let's talk about let's talk about the fateful day that uh, that they meet. All right. Um. So um, they actually um a little fun fact is. Uh, when Morrissey was 19 years old and Johnny Marr was 14 years old, uh, they briefly met through mutual friends, uh, um, Billy Duff and Howard Bates at a Patti Smith show. So um, I guess that was their first meeting. But um, they were, um, they met for a second time, you could say, um, when Marr showed up on Morrissey's doorstep. Um, and it, I think, just like an instant like connection. Um, I yeah. would say, yeah. I, I want to say it's an instant connection, but also I feel like there was a test uh, for Johnny Marr before Morrissey was like, okay, I can trust like whatever is happening here. Yeah. So Johnny. Very suspicious like personality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Johnny shows up to Morrissey's doorstep because he's been asking around like, Hey, you know, like I loved my previous bands, but like, I'm really wanting to do something special. I need a singer. Mm -hmm. Do you know anybody that sings? And he's asking around. And of course in Manchester, everybody knew this guy, but as like a hermit, <laughs> but they, they're all telling him, see this man, uh, see this guy, Steve Morrissey. He lives at, uh, oh shoot. I can't remember his address. It's not, it's not important. Yeah. Um, but just, just go. He needs saving, honestly. Um, and so Johnny does exactly that. Knocks on, knocks on Mazer's door. Um, uh, Mazer, uh, Morrissey, obviously. Um, I, in, uh, Simon Goddard's books, uh, Songs That Saved Your Life, The Art of the Smiths from 1982 to 1987, um, he makes a reference to it, which I, w which hopefully I can find. Um, basically, he relates it to, uh, he relates this whole meeting and everything to um, It's a Wonderful Life and like going back and like, you know, ah, oh, well, what if it's uh, like the angel taking you through uh, the story of the Smiths? And he mentions that there is actually somebody else there with uh, with Johnny. Oh, the address, by the way, oh. for Morrissey mm -hmm. is 384 Kings Road, Stretford. Ah, here we go. So uh, Goddard, uh, in the prologue of the book, uh, says, in the spring of 1982, Duffy is no longer around to introduce Marr to Morrissey. So he asks, so Marr asks another Wizenshaw guitarist and Dolls fan, Stephen Pomfret, 
who briefly rehearsed with Duffy and Morrissey years earlier. Pomfret, or Palmy, as, Par- as Mar knows him, still remembers Morrissey's address. Mar asks if he wouldn't mind taking him there. Palmy agrees, and so about one o'clock on an early summer's afternoon, Mar and Pomfret arrive on the doorstep of 384 Kings Road in Stretford. It's at this point that Goddard says, Pomfret is a cool little side note, but for this whole legend, he just doesn't fit. And so he kind of erases him from the story. And that's what, that's what we often do uh, in the canon of the Smiths or whatever, is it's just, it's just Morrissey and just Johnny Marr. And according to, uh, according to Johnny Marr's biography, it takes Morrissey like several minutes to just get down the stairs and actually answer the door. Sounds about right. <laughs> but once they do, like you said, kind of an instant connection and Morrissey has him go through this test of like, you know, look at, look at the records that I have play one. And then, um, you know, I'll kind of decide what I think of you from there. <laughs> so Mar takes a look through the records and he picks out, uh, a single called Paperboy by the Marvelettes, but flips it over to the B side, which is cheekily named you're the one, <laughs> which, I think kind of just confirms to Morrissey, like, okay, this guy knows his stuff and he's, he's clever. He's clever just like I am. And from there they decide, you know what? Yeah. Morrissey will sing. Mar will come up with the music. And this is going to be the greatest band to have lived. Yes. A very dynamic duo. Um, yeah, so um, a few days later, the two held their first rehearsal. Um, it was in Mars Attic in Bowdoin. Uh, the first song they worked on was Don't Blow Your Own Horn, and the second being The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, uh, which Mar took inspiration from Patti Smith's Kimberly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I I think, like, in his bio, in his autobiography, he says something like, you know, just reading the words, it just felt like Kimberly. And so that's just what he started playing. And -hmm. according to like Morrissey's biography, that's exactly what Morrissey had in mind. Like for that song is something that sounded like Kimberly. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, so like we have these two minds, like both very, very clever and very, very deliberate in their intentions. And they're just, on the same wavelength right away. They've met twice before, but they just know exactly like what the other is thinking. And it's amazing that you have this kind of chemistry right off the bat. It's no wonder like this early run of Smith songs is so magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of think of them as like a Lennon and McCartney for like really depressed, like, Teens. Well, just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, or, or pretentious or all of the above. Yeah, um, there's like no, me. <laughs> um, there's no stopping a Smiths fan from hating themselves and thinking that they're the greatest person alive. Yeah, even if they're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the lowest of all forms of entertainment. <laughs> um, but like in this, like what first sitting they uh, come up with Don't Blow Your Own Horn, which doesn't ever get recorded. I don't even know if it ever gets performed. Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure on that one. I I don't think so either. Yeah, but then also, like you said, A Hand That Rocks the Cradle and Suffer Little Children. And oh, yeah. Like, you, uh, you watch, like, very early, like, 1983 uh, recordings of them playing live, and those are the songs that, like, the audience is shouting for. These, like, super depressing songs about uh, children dying. Yeah, about real-life murders. <laughs> um, yeah, Morrissey was really bold for that one, to say the least. L- let's, let's actually talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I find um, it fascinating. Yeah. Morrissey as a lyricist. Incredibly depressing subjects that oftentimes like he makes a little bit humorous or like very witty or just like incredibly poetic. 
And it's not necessarily something you would think of when you put it next to Johnny Marr's very, like, melodic, jangly, upbeat, happy guitar. Yeah, and, um, yeah, Suffer Little Children. I always want to say Suffer the Children, um, Mm -hmm. because I get it mixed up with Tears for Fears, the song (laughs) titles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, like, a perfect example, because, um... He wrote this song based off of the Moors murders and a common theme of this, um, of their um, debut album, self-titled, is very controversial at the time, uh, which, especially this song, because he did use, um, um, allegedly, um, if I, uh, yeah. <laughs> In if, Minecraft. <laughs> if I did my research correctly, he did use the, um, the names of the victims so um yeah it's a very very heavy song to listen to yeah yeah and i mean controversy kind of just it is a part of the smith's legacy oh it's morrissey's middle name (laughs) (laughs) so supposing he has any name other than other than his last name (laughs) um but like whether it's suffer little children or reel around the fountain or hand that rocks the cradle all like very, very early Smith songs, they're wrapped in controversy because people just aren't used, especially at this time, to hearing songs about like these terrible things. And Morrissey's not like um, trying to glorify them or anything. He's talking about things that actually really affected him in his childhood because like Suffer Little Children is about uh, what's called the Moore's murders that happened very close to home yeah yeah like miles away they knew people that uh that were affected by these murders this wasn't just like sensationalism this was him writing about his actual childhood yeah i think um people just i think um they can take their own meanings from the songs um and that that can be a good and bad thing, um, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, of course, I think from this, Morrissey kind of gets a taste for being in the media, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, like, throughout the Smith's career, that he's constantly, like, trying to get the media's attention, constantly trying to say, like, look at look at us. Why is nobody paying attention to us when we're talking about things that are so important? And, yeah. <laughs> and it kind of backfires sometimes. Um, should we go on to... Should we keep going or... Yeah, I mean, have let's... Have anything else? I'm... You know what we've it's talked like letting en- it flow. Yeah, we've talked enough about Morrissey and Johnny Marr. Let's introduce the other two. Okay, yeah. Um, love to talk about Andy. Um, so yeah, I couldn't find too much information. Just I didn't have the most time to like research. But um, just going off from like what I already know, um, Andy Rourke. He was born and Andrew Michael Rourke. Um, in 1964, Manchester, um, Andy and Mar they met at age 11 in primary school. And um, according to Smith's wiki, he actually dropped out at the age of 15. So, yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> but also, you know, that's that makes sense. And I think we kind of see a little bit of that pattern continue with our friend Andy, who, by the way, freaking... Yeah, Andy Rourke is super special to me. Um, so the very first instrument that like I picked up that I actually liked playing, you know, because like everybody, everybody plays the recorder in third grade or whatever. <laughs> but like uh, the first one that I picked up and really liked playing was the electric bass. And initially it was just because like one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, he played the bass and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I started listening to like a lot more like bass heavy music uh, or bass heavy, a lot more like music that had these really good electric bass parts, like uh, whether it's like Joy Division or New Order with Peter Hook 
or like um, Mick Karn in Japan. But really, I would say the person that has made the most influence with me on bass is Andy Work. Like, you listen to any of his isolated bass lines. Out of this world. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, he makes me want to play the bass, too. And I, like, don't have any, like, musical talent <laughs> at all. Which, I mean, gotta start somewhere. Yeah. But, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Andy Rourke, he, like like you said, he'd played, uh, or he met Johnny at 11. They kind of became friends pretty instantly. And then he's just, like, a foot, not not a footnote, but, like, a member of pretty much all of his bands up until... Uh, up until the Smiths. Oh yeah. Of course, like our previous Withenshaw guitarist footnote, we kind of remove uh, the Smiths' first guitarist, Dale Hibbert, from our collective memory because he played for one show and he was never really like the right fit for the band. It was always going to be Andy Rourke. Yeah, no other way. Yeah. Just the um, perfect fit. And to fill out the rhythm section, of course, our friend Michael. Oh, yeah. Mike Joyce. Um, Michael Adrian Paul Joyce. Um, he was born in 1963 in Fallowsfield, Manchester. Um, yeah, there was even less information about him when I was trying to put in. <laughs> I, I, I feel like his early life is not the well-documented part. I feel like it's... <laughs> Later on. I, yeah, I feel like it's around... 25%. Yeah, like... <laughs> It's around some certain court cases that <laughs> he really starts to uh, starts to be a major player. But Ooh. while he is in the Smiths, he he is like an integral member of the band. Like from my point of view, Andy Rourke and Mike Joyce are just as much Smiths as Morrissey and Marr, and they didn't they didn't write the songs, but they helped so much in the aesthetic of the songs and how good they sound. Like, they are one of the most solid rhythm sections that can be found. Yes, I, I agree. Um, and as long as we're, like, going for an encyclopedic, like, kind of fun fact uh, sort of podcast, there is one very notable uh, thing about Mike Joyce joining the Smiths. So, for backstory... Morrissey, kind of right from the start, wanted to establish the Smiths as a sort of anti-band. Like, they weren't going to be the huge, like, rock and roll, like, uh, drug, sex, and money type of band. They were going to be simple. <laughs> and Mike Joyce's audition kind of defies that, but in a great way. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, according to Mike Joyce, when he came into audition for the band, he had apparently just taken a bunch of mushrooms right beforehand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he's, <laughs> and so they didn't start kicking in until he was actually playing, and he just kind of blacks out. But by the time that he like comes back into consciousness. He just remembers like Johnny being like, that was amazing. That was wild. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've got, we've got Mike Joyce joining this anti-drug band doing so because perhaps because of his performance on mushrooms. <laughs> and I, I, ah, I love Mike. He's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now that we have kind of all four members, what is this band? What do they stand for? Okay, well, um, in a, an interview in 1984, Morrissey, yeah, we can, we can start with the name. So, um, yeah, the band was named The Smiths to let the quote-unquote ordinary folk um, be seen, uh, which... Yeah, I mean, it great band name. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's very fitting um, to, like, what you said, them not being, like, you know, like, your typical rock band, like... Uh, yeah, like, the, the sort of anti-rock band. 
in fact, Morrissey, I think, and possibly Johnny Marr, insisted that like they were never called a pop band, that they were always referred or a rock band, that they were always referred to as like a pop group or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what they wanted to focus on more than anything is they wanted to make music for ordinary people about ordinary lives and not get caught up in like everything else. And like for me, at least I think that kind of messed, uh, messed with my head when I first, uh, when I first heard about that at that time, I was like just starting to join bands and whatever. And I insisted we be called things like, the three leaf clovers because you know, four leaf clovers are lucky, but three leaf clovers are ordinary and all of this, all of this stuff. I I really wanted to emphasize that same sort of image. Um, Maybe that's just me as like a Smith's hyper obsessive, but I, I think it does so much for like, uh, heck pretty much any band that is influenced by the Smiths is like, you learn that fact and then you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, that's, that, yeah, it just makes so much sense to do it that way. Yeah. I don't know if that made any sense. No, no, I totally get what you're saying. And I think, um, yeah, that whole idea of just letting the ordinary folk be seen. And, um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's one of the things that just adds to, like, how, to the like the relatability of Morrissey's lyrics, uh, which I think a lot of Smiths fan can, fans can agree, that's like one of the best things about them is because, I mean, who doesn't relate to his lyrics? Yeah, I mean, happy people like <laughs> people that are content with their lives. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, we we know now that like during the Smiths. Morrissey said that he was very, very depressed, but while actually in the band, he pushed against that whole idea of like, oh, you know, the Smiths are so depressing and they only sing about like super sad, uh, subjects to him. It was all just a part of life. And he wanted to showcase that living, whether it was, uh, whether it was depressing or jubilant or even just funny, like the absurdity of living a normal life in and of itself was so important for him to be able to discuss. Yeah. They're like the Seinfeld of the music (laughs) industry. (laughs) Each album isn't really about anything, you know, that's kind of the point. No, (laughs) no, I'm, (laughs) um, so the Smiths, uh, the Smiths set up this legacy really, really early on. I think like, in a lot of biographies, possibly even Johnny Marr's autobiography, I can't remember, they all talk about how, like, the Smiths seem to have had a plan for themselves right away. Yes, especially Johnny, very ambitious. Yeah, like, truth be told, and maybe I'm skipping a little bit ahead here, but, you know, maybe we put it in a nice little, uh, a nice little package, is... The Smiths released four albums, four studio albums, three compilation albums, and a live album in the span of five years. Not not five years from their first album, five years from forming. That, I mean, heck, even less if you think about it like end of 1982, beginning of 1987. Yeah. That is insane. Not to mention, like, all of the extensive touring that they did in the UK, in Europe, in America. This was a band with a mission, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Johnny and Morrissey even planned an ending. I think the ending came sooner than they thought, but I don't think it would have been that far, that far away. Yeah, um, that... They have a very just, I mean, just like a spotless discography. Um, my, my friend the other day was like, yeah, the Smiths are so mid. They only have four good albums. <laughs> <laughs> no, that made me laugh for like a solid two minutes. Um, but <laughs> I wish I thought of that. That <laughs> made me laugh 
so hard. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I mean, like speaking of their, like just them being together for five years, um, I think that's something that adds to their legacy because a lot of my favorite like 80s bands, um, you know, they keep on making music and, and I mean, good for them. Uh, like, you know, you love what you do and, but like, I mean, to put it bluntly, you know, you know, the bands I'm thinking of the bands from the eighties and they, they keep on making music and it just, it's not the same, you know, but with the Smiths, you have like just those solid four studio albums and you don't, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say anything. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of drawing on a... No, 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 no. Like, all right, so I have this guy that I work with, and he's, like, a 50-some-year-old uh, British man, and his favorite band is Depeche Mode. And so we talk I'm about... i them. In, oh, yeah? Yeah, in March. That's going to be a very interesting show. Yeah, I'm very excited. But anyways... Um, but he loves Depeche Mode, like, to death. And we talk about music a lot. And he, like, in one of those times, he basically said, I don't think the past, like, few Depeche Mode albums are all that good. I've listened to Martin Gore's solo stuff, to Dave Gahan's solo stuff, and, like, it's just not, it's not all there. And it's like, you know, it it, it is really sad that, like, a lot of these very, very, like, Depeche Mode is an amazing band. Oh, incredible. And I'm not saying, like, I could do better than like what they're currently putting out. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that at all. Like just to preface preface this, I no, I that is not definitely not. Just yeah, but you, you can cut some of that. No, no, no. But like the legacy of Depeche Mode is unfortunately a little bit muddled because of that. Every good story needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I would say that the Smiths have that down to a T the very like uh, mythological and uh, sort of fairy tale beginning with, you know, Johnny Marr knocking on Morrissey's door to the middle, like the high points of like the queen is dead tour in England, which we'll get to in a later episode. And then of course to their end uh, breaking up, right before releasing their fourth and final album, Strange Ways, Here We Come. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to all those... No, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to <laughs> upset the cure heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, come, at least admit that Simon Gallup is a good bassist. Oh, oh, he's the best. <laughs> no, I, I love the cure, but um, uh, just uh, what you were saying about Depeche Mode... Uh, I, I think that also applies to the cure. So if you yeah, want to say the cure is yeah. better than Smith, no, that is a completely, <laughs> I love them both. I, I won't go there. I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I but, have, like I say this with like pictures of Robert Smith all over my wall and like <laughs> cure records, on. but yeah. no, I love them both. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll have an episode or something where we talk about like, the Smiths rivals or whatever. Cause they took a lot of, they took a lot of shots. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh man. All of this stuff where I'm like, Oh, you know, we could talk about this, this and this, but I have to save it for another episode. Cause we've, we've got to talk a little bit about the end of their story and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. Let me get my notes. All right. Um, so yeah, uh, as we know, the Smiths broke up in 1987 uh, due to internal tensions. Uh, and yeah, we'll Johnny just, got pissed at Morrissey. Yeah, that, we'll just that put was it that way. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, uh, that was followed by very, very public lawsuits over royalties. And um, yeah, the um, band refuses to reunite. Um, their fourth studio album, um, their fourth and last, well, yeah, um, Strange Ways Here We Come. It was released in early 1987, um, followed by the release of several compilation albums. 
several uh, compilation albums. Yes, there. <laughs> I mean, you've got like the classic three, you know, Hatful of Hollow, uh, World Won't Listen, Louder Than Bombs. Yeah. But then it seems like every two years there's a new Smiths compilation album, like whether it's like best one, best two, the sound <laughs> of the Smiths complete, or, uh, you know, just all of these, uh, all of these like Smiths compilations and they're just going over the same material over and over again. Yeah. Um, here, I'm going to pull up something. Um, okay. So this is, I think this is very interesting. Okay. So, um, I was at the grocery store with my mom and, um, basically her friend, I was wearing my Johnny effing Mars shirt. Um, and her friend came up to us and, um, so basically the story is, uh, so her husband, my, okay. My mom's friend's husband's coworker. Yeah. Um, he's a musician and at the, um, Salt Lake city, uh, killers, Johnny show, he, um, he met up with Johnny backstage and, um, here, let me pull it up. Because uh, I I put this in my notes because I don't ex- want to. You have a like oh, what, what what is that? Um, I can't think of the word, but like um, a telephone a telephone game interview of Johnny Marr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. All right. Um, according to um him, the musician. Uh, the reason the Smiths broke up, uh, according, according to Johnny, according to the coworker, um, that Morrissey started to develop romantic feelings for him. Um, and that's the reason why they broke up. So this is what I heard, you know, I'm not saying it's. Take it with a grain of salt, exactly, but Marcy yeah. is Marcy is real, you know. <laughs> One sided. <laughs> One sided Marcy. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like that is an important legacy as well, is those like that relationship. And I, I feel like it probably wasn't just towards the end. I mean like oh, yeah. you listen to these things take time. And who else could that be talking about, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean I won't. I won't go into it too much, even though, like, I just brought it up. I I couldn't resist. <laughs> um, but we'll, yeah, there's that. We'll have an episode on it. We'll have a. We'll have an episode on whether or not Morrissey and Mar uh, or anything. Which, of course, like, obviously not because Angie. But also, there's so much room to talk about, like, their relationship. Mm-hmm. For sure. There's a lot that can be said. But I think, uh, I think simply put, the Smiths had uh, a legacy and a story that is unrivaled by any other band. The, the nature of it is amazing with themes of salvation and love and betrayal. It's so interesting and we hope that you uh as listeners by the way hey guys uh we hope that you as listeners as you continue to listen to the podcast that you pick up like these uh these themes and that you see for yourself just how incredible this story is as we move along in just a short five years of career yes that there's a lot that can be said. I kind of went on a few rambles, but, um, Hey, I mean, this whole, this whole show is based around like this idea that, uh, I have so much like tangential and ridiculous knowledge of the Smiths that I started a podcast because I figured I might as well do something because I talk about it so much. Tangents are what this podcast is all about. And I imagine it's probably (laughs) what like a lot of people would be listening for is like, you know, you could, you could look at Wikipedia and find like the story of the Smiths, but what makes it interesting 
is all the little tidbits along the way, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. And it's my friends. It's it's nice to talk to a fellow Smiths fan because I'm I know I'm sure a lot of my friends who aren't Smiths listeners can get rather annoyed uh, <laughs> with my constant. You <laughs> kind of just see like their eyes glaze over and yeah yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've been listening to. All right, so, Elena, obviously, you listen to more music than just the Smiths. I do as well we've got a lot of music to talk about what have you been listening to like recently okay um oh i've so a couple of the bands i've been listening to are i've been listening to strawberry switchblade like religiously um their self-titled album night from 1985 they only have that and then um a demo and a platinum collection but anyways uh, yes, I've been really enjoying their music. Also, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. You can never go wrong with them. Uh, Nick Cave is a genius. And do, do you have like a couple songs for uh, for both of those both of those groups? Uh, yeah. Do you want me to like message them to you for the or should I? I'll just uh, I mean say them here and then I'll put them on the playlist. Oh, by the way, guys, um, I'm sure I'll have mentioned this in the first episode, but. Um, the whole idea is we'll have like a weekly rotating playlist so that uh, if you're listening along, you'll be able to like follow that playlist, maybe get like 10 songs, like maybe a few of the songs that we talked about in the podcast and then what we recommend so that you have something to listen to like throughout the week as well. Anyways. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, uh, from Strawberry Switchblade, who knows what love is? And... Um, from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds into my arms. Also, I've been listening to the Dead Milkman, and <laughs> oh my! Okay, instant club hit. You'll dance to anything. Oh, classic! I have been obsessed. I, I've been listening to it nonstop. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of the bands and songs I've been listening to. That that's really funny, actually. I was going to uh, to pitch a Dead Milkman song as well. Um, oh, awesome. We'll only have one. It'll it'll be in, uh, instant club hit. But um, I was going to to pitch Bitch and Camaro. Oh, so good. <laughs> My sister and I will literally like probably a couple months ago. Uh, at this point, I don't know why it was on my mind today, but like a couple months ago, we literally just like. Uh, sent back voice recordings to each other of us just doing the different uh, the different bits in Bitch and Camaro. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was so much fun. So good. Um, on my end, um, let's see. Uh, I was just introduced to uh to this band, um, by uh, Provo Music Magazine, which is our local kind of music publication. Um, they're called fake nice. Um, they released an album in 2022 and, uh, they have this one song called friends with exceptions. I really like it. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know. I get very like 1992 pulp vibes from it. Um, I'll have to check them out. And then as well, um, I'd say Violent Femmes probably make the list um, so with uh, Promise because I made a very stupid claim to my mom that Promise is the only like uh, song that isn't memorable off of that album. And as soon as she put it on, I was like, actually, no, wait, this is this is a great <laughs> song. Um, and then as well, I, I just released uh, a song not too long ago. Um, it's called Come On. And so I'll put that on the on the playlist. And I think that's all the songs that I have for right now. Um, yeah, no, that's three on my end, three on your end. Yeah, um, 
Is it uh, I, I didn't put like a song limit on it. I was just like, oh, well, you know, if, if we talk about like four Smith songs, then we'll have like oh, six. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll put that uh, together and you guys can listen to it. Technically, uh, this next segment would be like um, mail or whatever, you know, if people want to write into us about like, you know, maybe something relevant to the discussion or like an experience they had with the Smiths recently or like, um, I don't know, this is almost like, uh, like old missionary-esque stuff, but like (laughs) how you converted your friends to the Smiths, like we eat that stuff up. Um, and so we don't have any yet because, well, I mean, the podcast is just starting off, but please send it, uh, send it our way. You can reach us at the show at smithcyclopedia at gmail.com or through Instagram or TikTok at smithcyclopedia or leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening on. And we will read it out on the show, you know, if you're if you're very pleasant, of course. If you're if you're very kind, um, but we want to hear from you, so send it our way. But with that, that's what we have uh, for the Smiths this week. We hope that you continue listening. That you listen to the Smiths. Most importantly, oh yeah, they are they are the band that uh, that can change your life. For better, for worse. (laughs) For both simultaneously. (laughs) This is Smith's Cyclopedia, signing off. Bye. Bye.